Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins hockey talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online. Another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a Patreon member to be eligible for weekly Boston hockey prizes and monthly Boston Bruins hand-signed jersey giveaways. Please go to patreon.com slash podcast and donate just $1 per episode. Many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show. Welcome into the Black and Gold Podcast, episode number 309. It's a pleasure to have everybody on board, everybody listening today. We appreciate it. I'm your host, Steve Forney. You can check me out on Twitter, at Voice 413 And of course, as always, Mark is here as well, uh, at Black and Gold 277. Uh, busy week for the bees. Uh, nice celebration this weekend as well. Uh, and uh, some... Uh, uh, I don't know what to call it, but there's a lot of other things going on, like salary cap and uh, other things that we want to talk about as well. So we'll get into that uh, as well. Mark, how are you today? It's so good to see you again, pal. Good to see you too, man, man. Uh, and glad that you came back after a week of putting up with my ass in the uh, in the inaugural episode of the of the Steve Fiorni uh, main host, uh, you know, endeavor. So I'm glad to see you as well. Hopefully, you had a good week. Um, I'm still recovering from uh, my ribs, which uh, they still hurt as a as a mofo. But uh, yeah, I mean, getting old sucks. I guess I got to drink more milk and, and recover fast. Or, or, or I got to go talk to the Bruins and their uh, medical staff because they seem to get players back as soon as uh, possible, way above yeah. expected time. So I'm doing all right. I'm struggling through a little bit of a cough, but um, we're here talking Boston Bruins and I'm Really excited about this episode. Yeah. Well, you sound good. So that's that's the key there. And uh, Thanks, we are um, we are a pleasure to have as well. By the way, uh, the show is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Uh, you can check them out. Uh, make sure you use the promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50. Uh, that'll help us out a lot. Uh, we appreciate all the support from those guys. We appreciate the support from uh, you, the listeners, and you, the viewers, as well. So uh, please take advantage of that. 
And uh, don't forget, if you want to participate in the show as well, we'd be happy to answer some of your questions. You have Bruins takes, you have Bruins uh, thoughts that you want to uh, you want to get out there to us. You can do that. You can leave us a message, uh, 978-504-2727. You can give us a call day or night, anytime. Uh, we'll have those recordings and, um, you know, if if they're good. <laughs> We will uh, we will play them. If you call us at uh, midnight, uh, a drunken stupor might not make it. But uh, then again, for entertainment value, it just might. So we'll see what, exactly. it, see what it looks like. Um, now, we're not just going to be a two-man show today as well. Uh, we are uh, pleased to have Zach Taranko with us as well. Uh, Zach does a play-by-play for Thornton Academy. Uh, and he also uh, does some work with the Maine Mariners as well, which, uh, of course, is the ECHL affiliate of the Boston Bruins. And um, you know, you know me, I'm a big a- AHL guy, as are you, Mark, but I got to be honest, I don't uh, follow a ton of the E-League, so uh, I'm, I'm glad to have Zach with us to give us some insight on things that, quite quite frankly, I'm not all that uh, knowledgeable, knowledgeable about. So, Zach, thank you so much for taking the time with us today. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I'm uh, excited to talk some Bruins and talk some Mariners as well, because, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of their play this year, and uh, it's, it's been up and down, but a lot, of, lots going, a lot has gone on. A lot of a uh, lot of up and down too. It's nice to see guys like JD Greenway playing in Providence, and uh, I don't know. That's always the rewarding thing for me about minor leagues is when you see when you see the advancement and you see the success that guys have um, uh, moving up and down the leagues. I'm sure you get a lot of that uh, down there as well. Yeah, definitely. There's been a lot of players moving around. Uh, the one name that comes to mind is uh, Brandon Busey. He's done. A, you know, started in Maine. Had a couple of great games and then he's been killing it in Providence ever since. So uh, a lot of, a lot of players moving around, but it seems to flow a lot better um, in Maine. They do a, they do a great job kind of filtering in and out players, you know, depending on the game or the day. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's great to see some guys go up and come back down and just, you know, how they fit in with the lineup. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We're, we're definitely going to get into that as well. Uh, we're going to be using your insight on that. Um, we do want to take a quick look back as well on the games that, uh, happened over the last week. And, um, I tell you, I'm, I'm glad I'm taking notes on these things. Cause I, boy, the, the three, one victory over, uh, Vegas feels like it was a long time ago, doesn't it? Um, but they did have, uh, what three, four games this week, including uh, the game against the blue jackets over the weekend. So, uh, Mark, we look back at the golden Knights game, a three, one victory, uh, seemed to me like it was about a period and a half of bleh. And then it was a period and a half of, of great hockey. Uh, the Bruins really put their foot on the throttle. Vegas plays so hard. They're, they're such a, I think they're a fun team to watch uh, competitively. Um, and any takeaways from that one uh, that you noticed there, Mark? Well, obviously it's the beginning the starts of these games lately have been really tough for the Boston Bruins to really get going, but it's good that the, uh, the coaching staff of Jim Montgomery and John Gruden and, and, and others, Joe Sacco, who's uh, also uh, down on the bench uh, are getting to these guys mid game and just saying we're losing it here. We need to really step up our efforts. Um, and, And basically the second, the second half of a second period and the third period this season have been really strong for the Boston Bruins. I think they lead the league in third period goals, especially from come come from behind wins. But that you know that's still a concern for me. But um, you know they got the two points at the end of the day, and you also gave it a, a little bit to uh, to former head coach uh, Bruce Cassidy, who was on the other side of that uh, bench, and. Um, you know, because he got the uh, the win here in Boston, and and it's just fitting that we get the win out there in Vegas. 
Zach, what are your thoughts on that game? I think I, I agree with you guys. You know, the third period's definitely been better than the first. Um, there's a couple of games there in a row where it seemed like the first two minutes of every period was the worst hockey Boston could ever play. Uh, it's just, it's tough to see that happen. And um, obviously it was great, as you said, to get that win in Vegas. It felt kind of after that, oh, that a shootout loss, it was tough, um, you know, because I kind of felt like we had that game, you know, coming back down 3-0, um, all that energy and momentum, and unfortunately didn't work out the way we wanted it to. But, you know, 3-1 was a, a great win in Vegas and, and kept us going, and we still haven't lost two in a row, which is something that I think is pretty impressive for um, a team like this because obviously we knew they weren't going to be, you know, go 80-2 and two this season, right? So we knew at some point it was going to break down, and I'm just glad it's, it's still going pretty strong. Yeah, and, and again, you, you know, you mentioned it. They give up a goal four minutes into the first period, and it's it, it's just sort of what we talked about last week is getting off to the hot start. And, you know, just because you can dominate third periods doesn't mean that you just decide to not show up in the first, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and one of the big things, one of the themes I had all week was the penalties, which are, quite frankly, getting a little out of control. Um, but you give up a power play goal to Mark Stone to start the game, you know, you're not even five minutes into the game. You're already in the box and then you're giving up power play goals. Um, so that that's an area of concern for me. Uh, but it is nice to see when you get, again, scoring all, all the way up and down the lineup. You get a goal from Bergeron. You get a goal from DeBrusque with Zaka and Halls, the helpers. And then you get one from Charlie Coyle and uh, Derek Forbort gets an assist. So um, it is nice to see that they still can have that consistency up and down the lineup. Um, and, uh, again, it's a, that's a good Vegas team. So I, I think that's a really nice win. Like you said, Zach, especially after, after the results, uh, of the first Vegas game, um, to get that win, I think was a big one. Anything else on that game you want to touch on Mark? No, I mean, uh, Alenius Allmark just continues to be, uh, uh, having a stellar season. Um, and you know, a real catalyst for this team really pushing forward to, to, you know, put the team on the shoulders when you need, when you need that big save and goal. Um, you know, there are a lot of shots on, on him and he did a very good job of, you know, keeping him away, directing him away and, you know, uh, getting the other, getting the two points as, as his continue, his, his season continues just to be a, um, an amazing one in itself. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about, you know, uh, later on about this goaltender and some of the struggles he went through. So, a uh, very interesting article that was uh, Emily Benjamin from NHL.com came out with. Yeah, that um, we uh, that was that was remarkable to read. I don't think I'd known anything about that situation. Um, and you know, we talk about off ice things. I guess while we're on Vegas, um, if anybody heard about what Alex Petrangelo had to go through, you know, he he his his four year old daughter started off with a cough and ended up you know, three weeks bedridden uh, at a hospital in, in Florida. And, you know, he stepped away from the team. And of course, Bruce being Bruce Cassidy, being the guy that he is said, you got to, you do what you have to do. And when you're ready to come back, you can come back. And um, I think he played his first game over the weekend and looks to, to be like, that's uh, a good situation. But, you know, I got a two-year-old and a five-year-old at home, here at home. And I just can't imagine uh, what that's like, what he's had to go through. So, um you know, uh, lots of peace and love out there to Alex Petrangelo and his family. Cause that's a, that's just something that, as a parent, you just never, uh, want to have to deal with. Um, yeah. Uh, um, even a, just a hu- humanity factor, you know, I don't have kids, but I can uh, a- absolutely understand why something like that would, you know, family first, man, sport second, whatever, you know, you just got to take care of your own and, 
and you know it was a um a lesion on the brain and there was something serious and you know hopefully uh you know thoughts and and, and continued prayers for for his daughter to get better every day yep yeah absolutely um all right zach so moving forward here the uh the Bruins get a shootout win over the Islanders. Uh, I think it was Mike, our buddy Mike from Woburn on Twitter, who said that the Islanders are like eczema. Uh, they're really <laughs> irritating and they never go away. Um, but it was nice to it was nice to actually get a win um, uh, in the shootout, which again, if I remember, took uh, took a while, or maybe it was the uh, I get him confused. Maybe it was the, the the following game where there was against the Kings where there was a long shootout. But um, man, guys like Casey Sezikis, uh, Josh Bailey. Brock Nelson, these guys just, boy, are they irritating, you know, in a good way. You'd love to have them on your team, but, man, are they a pain to play against. Yeah, Mike yeah. Hoover is 100% correct. Uh, it is, it's always tough, and um, I feel like, you know, the first period was was not the best for that for them, but, um, you know, Jake DeBrusque, the two goals really quick, that really gave some energy to the team, and he had a great game finishing it off with that, that beautiful shot in the shootout. Um, the one part of the game that I think some people forgot about was when AJ Greer fought Matt Martin. Um, and the one thing I said to my dad was like, you know, Matt Martin's one of the only guys in the league that wears his helmet without the visor. And that should tell you something about Matt Martin. Um, so that, I mean, that kind of sparks some energy, but I think overall it was a great game. And, you know, some people don't like the shootouts and overtimes and those games going too long, the Bruins having to, to play long games like that. But to me, a win is a win, and to end it in, in a, a strong shootout like that was was good for them. And, and again, that was two wins in a row, so keeping that momentum. Yeah, hats off to Jake DeBrusque. Continues to have a great season. Really uh, hunkering down on 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 what he has to do personally and 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 mentally. You know, um, it's just good to have him. You know, just putting a hundred percent in and really just shutting a lot of the fans up that. We're clamming for him to be traded and or just off the roster in the past couple of seasons. Um, but you know, for the ones for the folks out there that are patient with these younger players and give it a little bit of time, these are the benefits that we're reaping right now from having that patience. We're seeing younger players, they need to adapt a little bit more. It's not just coming into the league and and being a Connor McDavid point per game or two point per game type of player. It's how you absorb all that stuff and so on. And, and, and also had to have the organization just to be behind this kid's back and say, listen, let's work through these problems together. We got to do that. You know, it, it really, it really tells you how much of a family this, this is and over the business. And um, you know, we just want to see players get better. And, and I'm really liking this Jake DeBrusque right now. And I'm really, really happy that we resigned him. Yeah. And, and I, uh, you know, I don't, I don't consider myself a Tuka Rask hater. Um, and I, of course I don't want to stir that pot up any further, but um, uh, you know, Tuka Rask admitted that he doesn't like the shootout and quite frankly, he played like he didn't like the shootout. I, I, I think he kind of half-assed it there a lot. Um, and it's nice to see two goalies who get into it, man. They, they don't want to lose the shootout Swayman or Allmark. And that's that's uh, something that I like to see because once I knew the Bruins are going to a shootout and Rask was in net, I would just turn it off and go to bed because I know he doesn't care. He, he doesn't. He just kind of you know just whatever. Um, it's nice to see uh, nice to see the goalies getting into it. Um, I think I just I think their chemistry, their back and forth is just the coolest thing in the sport right now. So yeah. um, nice to see that win. Like you said, Jake DeBrus to me the, the the sort of guy. And then let's not forget Derek Forbert getting on the board uh, with a shorty. Uh, that's always fun to see the uh, the big guy 
uh, contributing offensively, which ended up being a pretty big goal. So, um, yeah, definitely good to have Volbert back, um, playing a lot better. That PK suffered without him. It really did. And, you know, I'm not saying that the, the PK is getting any better and stuff like that, but it's something that, you know, that continues to be a work in progress. Yeah, absolutely. And we move ahead to the, the game against the Kings where again, it went to a shootout. Of course they lost in this one. Um, I, I don't know if it's something about these West coast teams. I know, you know, sometimes there's a bit of a feeling out process when you're just playing against teams, you don't see all that much. Um, maybe it was just an off night, but they just didn't really seem like they necessarily had their, their best game. Um, you know, and of course that shootout went forever, but, um, <laughs> Uh, you know, giving up a goal late, uh, giving up two third period goals and, and a goal late in the game uh, to Adrian Kempa uh, on again on the power play because penalty still an issue. Uh, what are some of your takeaways from that one there, Mark? Um, better second period uh, than than I've I've noticed. Um, obviously, the third has been really good, uh, but not in this particular game. This was their downfall. Uh, the second period was one that you know Taylor Hall got the goal and Marshan. And then in the third, <clears throat> excuse me, in the third, they um, it really um, let off the gas a little bit to let those those two uh, Adrian Kempe goals uh, go in. But um, you know, get a point, you go to the shootout, you do the overtime. Um, it's definitely not the type of game I want to see moving forward. I was really nervous about this game because um, the Boston Bruins do have a tendency to play down to their opponents. And LA is 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 not a great team this season. They're very young, um, you know, looking to get better. They get a lot of young talent, um, but I really thought that the Boston Bruins could have had a better effort in this game. And I didn't want to end up like losing like this going into Saturday's action, playing another team that's really not good. And 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 but we'll talk about the outcome later on. But you know, um, I do, you know. Just getting a point here and a point there is good, but uh, with with Toronto really nipping at the heels in the Atlantic Division, um, this Boston Bruins team's got to got to scratch a little harder to get those two points. Yeah, what are your thoughts, Zach? Did you uh, happen to catch? I got to be honest, I missed a lot of this game. Um, but uh, what did you happen to notice uh, from that game, Zach? I missed uh, everything up until overtime in the shootout because I had a, a TA broadcast uh, to do that night. But um, it's, an, I mean, we've talked, it's been talked about another goalie from the opposing team standing on his head. I mean, Phoenix Copley had a, an amazing game, similar to, to uh, I think it's, it's Vejmelka is the name of yeah, the Coyotes yeah. goalie. Close enough. Hand. Yeah, yeah, something <laughs> like that. Um, but you know, there's not much you, you can you can do about overtime. I think they played well in overtime and the shootout. You had seven rounds. You're just you're just hoping to end it. I, I, people are just hoping to go to bed at that point. But as as Mark said, the third period was was not great. Giving up those goals and and a power play goal as well. Um, and you know I feel like that it's just another one of those games where Boston has a lead and they might get a little bit lax. They kind of slow down a little bit. They don't play as as fast or as focused as they could have, and it cost them. And I would have liked to have two points. That's that's all I can say. Yeah, uh, L.A., there's there's something about them. I, I always feel like they have a roster full of guys I'd love on my team. You know, Ayafalo and Kempe, and, you know, I've loved Anze Kopitar for years and years. And, um, you know, they got Quentin Byfield down in the system. Boy, that guy, guy would look great in the Bruins organization. Um, um, so, uh, L.A., you know, they, they've had their ups and downs, but they 
um, they always seem to, to, to be hard, you know, they, they, they play hard, they play tough. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I guess I'd rather lose to a team like the Kings than the Coyotes, <laughs> you know, like that, that, that one. And again, if, like I said last week, if you're going to lose, you might as well lose to Western conference teams, uh, where it doesn't beat you up too hard in the standings. Um, and then over the weekend, we had uh, the game against Columbus, which, as you mentioned, Mark, that team is not good. I didn't really – I didn't know who any of those guys were on that roster. Um, but, uh, you know, um, Coach Montgomery said that he was really disappointed in the way they played in the first period. Um, I was very disappointed in the penalties. But, you know, they start the game with a one nothing lead with an 8 no, eight nothing shot advantage. You know, they were cooking. And then it was penalty, penalty, penalty when your two best penalty killers are also your two best forwards, you know, I don't want to waste Bergeron and Marchand's playing minutes on killing penalties. I just, I, I, they're the best option for the penalty kill and they don't need to waste their time and their effort and their energy killing penalties. Um, so that to me was a big issue at the beginning. Um, I will say the play that uh, Pasternak made to keep the puck in the zone to lead to that first goal. I think Jack Edwards called it Bork like uh, that was, that was outstanding. It's great when you see a guy make a great play at the blue line and then it ends in a goal, you know uh, that um, uh, that to me was great to see. So uh, uh, sorry, I got some, uh, my computer's popping up at me, um, but uh, you know, again, come third period, you put your foot on the throttle. And, and you, you know, you hammer it home and that was a good team beating a not so good team. Uh, Mark, any other takeaways besides the, uh, the, the celebration pregame, which we'll get into. No, I mean, it was a, it was a decent game. I mean, the Bruins got the two points. Uh, Great to see Swayman uh, get back into the, into the game and, and uh, get a confidence win. Um, I really want to see how uh, Jeremy plays against uh, tougher talent, obviously. Uh, not the uh, the bottom of the barrel because uh, I believe in Jeremy. I think he's going to be a great goaltender. Uh, I just think that he's going through a little bit of struggles this season, whether you call it the sophomore slump or whatever. Um, still an important member of this of this team and this uh, goaltending tandem with his hug buddy uh, Linius, and, um, and and you know David Pasternak getting his twentieth goal, and uh, uh, that's seven straight seasons of 20 plus goals. So good on him driving up that, 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 uh, that contract that he's going to have to uh, sign sooner or later, hopefully sooner or later. Uh, we'll touch on that possibly later on too. Uh, but you know, Hey, it is what it is. Uh, you know, another game that the, everyone's get the two points, but more importantly, um, we'll talk about it later. The, the Patrice Bergeron. Um, but it's, uh, you know, this, this homestand continues to be decent. You know, the Bruins play really well at home, and uh, and hopefully that continues. Yeah, what about you, Zach? Did you catch that game uh, on Saturday? Yeah, I did. Um, a great power play day, two of three. I mean, you can't be upset about that. I thought Krejci's goal was nice, and and same with Pastas in the in the first in the first period. But um, the only thing about the game I really was frustrated at was that uh, that late power play goal by Line A. I mean, it should have been four one. I think that again, kind of you, you had they had their foot on the gas. Hall score, no six scores. It's 4-1. The game's pretty much over. And it's just tough to see them give up a goal like that. They probably shouldn't have given up. Um, but overall, I thought it was a great game. And, and as you said, the celebration and ceremony before was was obviously kind of the at the head front of what was happening that day. 
but I was worried about this game um, even beforehand because I know that the Bruins last year had some pretty tough games after they celebrated someone, had a ceremony for someone. Like I remember the the Willie O'Ree uh, the, when they put his name in the banner in the rafters, they lost like seven one or seven two to Carolina because obviously right. you know when you're and you're thinking about what's happening, the ceremony, that kind of stuff, you kind of get unfocused. So it was good to see them win 4-2. That was a good game. And and two more points on the board against the Columbus team that's been dealt with some terrible injuries. Um, one of my sort of takeaways, I guess, from the week, I, I'm concerned that they might start, they, they might, especially five on five, I feel like they have two gears. They have the sort of off-the-cuff, you know, go out there and 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 not necessarily have a script use your talent however you can use it to make plays and to score goals and then they have this sort of really predictable strategy that when you play teams like Columbus and you play teams like LA and they're game planning against you you're just sort of feeding right into their game plan the power play is predictable but it can't be stopped so you, you know you, you go it Bergeron nobody's yet to show that they can stop Bergeron on the bumper or they can stop Pasternak at the top of the circle so I'm all right with that predictability, but I think that five on five, uh, especially from the top three lines, is starting to become an issue. And I'm not sure how they get out of playing that sort of style that is, uh, e- I don't want to say easy to defend, but if you've done your game planning as, a, as an opposing team, you can, you know, you can hang with them five on five. Does anyone else notice that or is that something that, that I'm just sort of seeing? No, no, it's, 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 it's a, it's a valid thing that you see in Steve. Absolutely. Um, my biggest, my biggest thing with five on five is zone entries. Um, and that's continues to be a, something that teams really, really see when they look at video, they see in how the Boston Bruins come in, especially with a a superstar like David Pasternak. And, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not harping on the guy at all, but when he, when he has the puck and he's skating up the ice full speed, I just really have no faith in him crossing that blue line and staying on sides um, and not giving a turnover. Brad Marchand's the same player. Uh, really tough on on the backhand to just to give it to another guy that's skating the other way. Uh, so that's my biggest uh, takeaway from, the, from like five on five zone entries and so on. Um, I do like what I see when they do go to the left side and they happen to give it to a player like Taylor Hall. Uh, he, I think he's got a little more success rate, maybe a little more creativity, uh, you know, deking away a player and so on, but you know, the long-winded answer. It's 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 things got to get better, but this is this is how a Jim Montgomery system works in his in his first season. It's all work in progress. We still have to learn and 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 execute. You know, and I think that that's that's something that's going to continue to happen. I mean, hey, we're we're like almost halfway. Uh, the season's halfway over. We still got a lot of hockey to play. So, I mean, nothing's done. Nothing's won. It's it's still, you know, uh, do what you got to do, but, uh, you know, execute a little bit better. How about you, Zach? You noticing anything out there five on five, good or bad? I obviously think it could be up and down. I don't think that, you know, even if their five on five play was um, as high as we maybe want them it to be, it's not always going to be great. Um, I think that they can get away with having a bad game in five on five play and, and losing one. But as we get farther into the season, February, March, April, and into the playoffs, it, it's going to matter a lot more. And it's harder to have a bad game here, or a bad game there when you're fighting for points. And, you know, I think 
I'm, I'm, I think you guys can agree with me that, you know, there, there's going to be a, a month or a, a couple of weeks where they're, they're not going to play well. I mean, it's going to happen. It's bound to happen at some point. So it becomes more important. And I think Montgomery will push that more with his team and practices and in games as the season goes on. But right now the power play and the PK are one of the best in the NHL. And I think that Montgomery's riding that. And so is the team. Yeah. I found it interesting. And in his post game, he, he, he got really upset with them after the first period. Um, and I think it was in what second intermission. He looked at Bergeron and just said, Hey, this is, this is your locker room. You know, you, you know, you know, I, I can sit here and jump and scream and throw stuff, but you know, you're the captain, you know, you've been here longer than anybody else. You, you uh, sort of kick him in the rear end. And I thought that third period was the best period that they played of the game. So, um, although I, I, he, he did say he doesn't think they're, playing very good hockey and i i get where he's coming from i just i also know that that was very cassidy like like that's what they didn't like from cassidy where they would have this they you know they won three out of four and it's like well we're not playing that good it's like well what do you mean we're not playing that good we've we won three out of four so you know it doesn't bother me but we are dealing with a different generation of of hockey players that you don't want to you don't want to piss off i guess because then they're going to shut it down so um let, let's hope that's he, he, I think he has to pick his spots with, with things like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I do. I, I know exactly what you're talking about, but it, it's also, it, it also can be a motivating factor too. I mean, this, we talked about just a little while ago when I said that this, this Boston Bruins team really needs to have better starts. And I think that might be a frustrating factor for a guy like uh, Jim Montgomery, who is just really trying to get more of a 60 minute effort and not wait till the last guns fired to like really push for the, the extra two points or even a point, in the shootout uh, or um, overtime. So, um, you know, lots of things to continue need to, uh, to be worked on. But there's, um, you know, where we're sitting right now. I mean, the Boston Bruins are a 50-point team right now. And we basically, uh, you know, at, at the half point of the season. So, I mean, I think I saw a number of, like, the, the Bruins are trending to have a 137-point campaign. That's just crazy to think about. Yeah. I'm not sure if it'll ever get there and so on, but if it does, wow, what a wagon this continues to be. Yeah, I have I have a question here for Zach too because um, I usually I'm usually like like a seven o'clock game. By the time the kids are down, and everything else, I don't sit down till it's like seven forty five, which is great because I DVR it and then I I know when the commercial breaks are coming and I can fast forward through everything. But you, you're up there in Maine, Zach. Why are all my commercials about Maine? Berlin City Auto. I don't. I don't know what that is. I've never been there. The main lottery. I'm not playing that. What? I'm. I'm down here in Western Mass getting all these main ads. What's up with that, pal? Can you call the folks at Nesson or share the ad revenue or something? Like I just. I can't take it anymore. To be honest with you, I really thought that I was just seeing those ads because I'm in Maine, and I thought you guys were seeing different ads. So I'm surprised to hear that. Um, I'm not sure what's up with Nesson. Maybe they, they like Maine so much. Um, I see a couple things, uh, you know, about skiing or stuff in the winter, like some Saddleback Mountain stuff. Um, oh, we see them too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's crazy. I, to be honest with you, I usually turn the TV off for intermissions and and in between plays, or I switch channels to watch some other game. I just, I, I'm I'm there for the hockey. I'm there to see what's happening. I. I'm not a big fan of the Nesson broadcasts in general. I, I like, I love Jack Edwards, Andy Brickley. I love, you know, how it's kind of iconic at this point, what, what they've gotten to, but I'm more of a, like, 
you know, turn my phone on and check Twitter or ESPN in between plays or when there's a there's a break in action than watching the than Berlin City as you, <laughs> ads or whatever they might they break break up on the TV. There's nothing better than being behind because the only problem with DVRing it is I can't be on Twitter because then mm-hmm. I get then I get spoiled. Yeah, you pick up that remote, you go beep, skip ahead 18 minutes, and then <laughs> here we are at the beginning of the next period. It's like the greatest thing in the world. But um, that's awesome. Um, oh, and let's not forget real quick to uh, Swayman. Boy, I wanted that empty netter. I don't. I think the last goal oh. the empty netter was in Springfield, oh. actually. Um, but boy, a fraction of an inch that would have just been so sweet. Yeah, man. You know the the, the Boston Bruins have never had a goalie that, that scored a goal. That would have been. That would have put. Swayman overboard on on a lot of like, and we get a lot of people that have been really trashing him lately and wanted him traded or even sent down to Providence, which is crazy because he'd have to go through the waiver process. He's played more games in sixty, so you don't want to get a player like that in the waiver wire will not last long. So that is just a, a dumb idea for those that are DMing me and twittering me saying just bring him down to Providence. He's on an ELC. Um, no, but I mean, if he got that, that would have been awesome. You know, just imagine the goalie hug after that. I know. Oh, it would have happened. It would have happened mid game. He would have, he would have led the handshake line and then it would have been uh, hugs all around. So, um, that would Absolutely. have been, that would have been sweet. I want to talk about the, uh, the ceremony that we mentioned, the Bergeron ceremony, but before I do, I want to give a quick shout out to our, our friends at can I wellness, right? Can I wellness? Um, Absolutely. They are. Uh, they have oral spray supplements. Uh, faster, better ways to energize, recover, to relax, to sleep. Um, it's easy to use. It works fast. It's effective. It's a, a flexible do- uh, dosing methods. Um, you can get more information from them at caniwellness.com. Uh, they're on social media as well. Uh, and they have all kinds of different. Uh, they they sort of say, sort of show you the science behind what they do. Uh, and some of the different products that they have um, that could work for you, but definitely check them out. Uh, tell them that the the guys at the Black and Gold podcast sent you. Um, and for twenty five percent off on the entire website, you can use the promo code BNG twenty five. That's BNG twenty five twenty five percent off the entire website. So uh, definitely check them out. Uh, they're a good uh, partner of ours. We're happy to have them on board. Um, and, uh, if you're, if you're looking for something, you know, you're, you're, you're just not feeling right. Something's a little off. Maybe you're 36 and you think you're still young, but you're actually getting old, Steve. Um, <laughs> maybe this would be the kind of thing that'll, uh, that'll help you feel young again. So, um, uh, yeah. definitely check and, them out. And I use it all the time, uh, for a 47 year old Mark, uh, <laughs> I, and an old bastard that I am. Yeah, I use it when I go out, you know, on school nights, you know, the next day you got to go to work and you might be a little hungover. I use the, uh, the, uh, can I boost and the, and the, can I mend those stuff are, I love them. And, and that, you know, it works, it does work a little bit. It doesn't cure the whole thing, but, uh, it does make you feel a little better to, uh, to get on with the day. A little pep in your step. Um, exactly. So, uh, yeah, prior to the, uh, the blue jackets game on Saturday, uh, they celebrated Bergeron's 1000 point celebration. Do want to give a quick shout out to Jake Zimmer, who is the public address announcer who took over for me. Uh, great job. I think, I don't think people realize how chaotic those things can be. There's always a lot of last minute changes, last minute script changes. Something doesn't go right. Somebody can't get the mats out in time. There's always weird stuff that happens, uh, but watching the broadcast, it, it was seamless. Uh, at least it looked seamless from our perspective. So tip of the hat to, 
Jake and Mike Beaky and uh, TJ Hamilton and everybody else that um, that was involved with putting that on. They all crushed it. Jake's uh, Jake's really good at, at his job. And I'm glad that when I left, uh, I left with the PA job in good hands. Um, but again, class all around. I mean, Bergeron is just the epitome of class. Uh, I think the organization recognizes that. It was nice to have video tributes from from legends. Uh, what were some of your takeaways from that, Mark? Um, just like you said, just a class player that Patrice Bergeron is. Very humble. Um, it almost He almost, as much as he wanted to be there with his family and enjoy the moment, you could see in his face it was almost like, let's get going. You know, let's yeah. get the game. Let's let's roll on because that's the way Patrice Bergeron really is. He's just one of those one of those ambassadors to the league that is you know first first ballot Hall of Famer in my opinion, but um in a class class human being and uh, but I'm just I'm happy that the Boston Bruins recognize this uh, this tremendous milestone that has only been done by a few players. It was great to see Espo with uh, some words, another thousand point player in the Boston Bruins organization and followed by Ray Bork, who was just uh, an absolute legend as well. And, and a thousand point player. So, uh, you know, and, uh, in, and in between, I heard that there were really, there were a lot of in between, um, you know, commercial breaks and so on. They were, uh, playing videos from, from players and, and other folks that, uh, that, you know, um, have been around Patrice Bergeron and so on. So that was kind of cool to see. And uh, but it was just a, a great day for a guy that really deserves all the accolades he can get, to, you know. And and I, I'm just really proud as a Boston Bruins fan through and through that we have a player like this on our team. We are truly, truly spoiled human beings to be blessed with with this type of guy that just does it on and off the ice. Uh, community is a big thing for him. Uh, you know, the visits to the hospital and so on. It's not just contract. This is coming from the heart. And this is why he's a, he's just a, a tremendous ambassador to this unbelievable sport. Yeah, agreed. How about you? How about you, Zach? What did uh, what did you take away from that? And basically everything you guys said, I thought it was a great ceremony for a great player and someone in this Boston community. I thought it was um, great to see how much was put into the actual ceremony itself, even down to like a little detail of, um, after the PA announcer would say something in English, he'd say it in French too. Like just that, those little things was, I thought was really, really cool, especially for him. Um, and to see his family out there, to see all those legends, to see, I mean, I know some people don't like Sweeney and Neely right now, but even to see them come out and just congratulate him, I thought was nice. Um, and the one part of it that I thought was kind of funny at the end was when Martian and Krejci brought the watch and the bottle of alcohol over. And when he took the picture, his daughter grabbed the bottle of alcohol, like, held yeah. on to it. And I was like, oh, okay. I was probably doesn't even know what that is, but yeah, uh, I thought that was pretty funny. But it was it was cool to see um, all the people there. And the, I mean, they must have chanted Patrice or Bergie at least a couple of times during that ceremony. So great, uh, great ceremony for a great player. And um, I'm sad that this might be his last year. Uh, he I, still, he I, can I, still bring it, huh? I mean, he can still play. You know, it's like yeah. it's, it's crazy. What's that, Mark? I just wanted to say that he's. She was probably not the only uh, underage person at that game that was had alcohol in their hand. Yeah, a couple <laughs> throwing it back. A couple. I know. No, it's nothing. Nothing was more reflective to me of Bergeron than when he saw Johnny Busick, and all he wanted to talk about was Johnny Busick. Johnny, how you feeling? 
you feeling okay? How's the family? How's this? How's that? Music's there to yep. celebrate him. And all he wants to do is check on Busick to make sure that, mm-hmm. that him and his family's doing well. And, uh, and shout out to to Boone Jenner, who um, they said in the opening face off, you know, they're lining up waiting for the puck to drop. And he's, you know, Hey, Hey Bergie, congratulations, man. You know, like that, he's another guy that if he was in this town, we'd love him. Uh, Boone Jenner. Um, but yeah, I, I grew up a huge Steve Eisenman fan. That was my guy. And, and to me, the closest thing to Steve Eisenman is Ben Patrice Bergeron. Um, yeah. And I, I just, I think we're so blessed to have, like you said, so blessed to have him in town to watch him night in, night out. Um, I don't think, I don't think a guy like Marshand would have the career he would have without Bergeron. I think he'd be closer to a Brendan Gallagher, who's a nice player, but, you know, Marshand's had his issues. And I think a lot of getting him out of that, the rat mentality that, that he has, has come from the leader of that team who is Bergeron. So um, I, I thought that was, I thought that was excellent. Hey, on, on the, behind the B recently, I know a lot of uh, podcasts have already covered this and so on, but how about the, 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 the locker room just like uh, chanting one more year, one more year. And at the end, Patrice Bergeron just like, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> that was awesome. Like I mean, Wolf of Wall Street. That, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it's going to be like a, a comforting thing for Boston Bruins fans to think about, especially me, myself. I mean, I, I really do think this team is, is strong, uh, great leadership uh, with him and Felino and so many others, McAvoy and blah, blah, blah. Great coaching between Montgomery and Gruden and the rest of the staff. But, um, you know, if, if things don't get done this year, I think we still do have good building blocks to really, really push next year push the envelope next year, get what you need to do, you know, uh, address the right wing. If you need to, it, you have a little bit of cap space. You obviously have to get past the neck lockdown and so on. But for me, if they don't get it done next year, I mean, this, this season next year is the one to really, really go for it. And I think that Bergie's going to be back for one more season. I really have a good, good feeling about him, his health. He looks great. I, I, I really, seriously, He's getting older and he's getting better. This is this is these are trends that normally don't happen to aging veterans, but we're seeing it right now because he's just an animal, you know. Uh, and I'm proud to have him on this team. Yeah. Well, here we are about uh, what we're a week from Christmas, so we're a week from New Year's. Uh, the Winter Classic, the John Henry Classic, as I call it, uh, because of course John <laughs> Henry has to buy the Pittsburgh Penguins and then have we're gonna have a game at my ballpark. <laughs> It's like, who's he even going to root for, that that freaking guy? Um, but we did see the goalies, and we've seen a couple articles and a couple uh, images of Allmark and Swayman in their winter classic gear. Uh, Swayman wore it out, even though it was kind of a tough color contrast to the black uniform with the brown pads. And I got to be honest, I I think the first shot on goal, the puck fell out of his glove, and, and he had to cover it on the ice. And I'm like, that's it. Go back to the old gear. Like, <laughs> put, put a baseball in that thing and wrap rubber bands around it and stick it in the microwave. Do whatever it is you have to do. But, like, like the new the new gear, like, freaked me out there for a little second. But um, uh, I absolutely love the helmet tribute to uh, Andy Moog. Uh, right? That was Andy Moog's mask. Um, yep. Uh, not to bring him up again, but I think most of the Tuka Rask hate comes from the fact that he never changed his mask. And I still thought that was such a a minor league looking mask. Like if, you know, you, you see somebody you don't like and you just, their sight of their face irritates you. <laughs> Maybe just a different mask. People wouldn't have been so so mad at them all the time. 
Um, yeah. But uh, what do you what do you think about the gear and the upcoming game at Fenway? Go ahead, Zach. Um, you know, I originally was thinking about getting tickets, and then I tried to imagine myself in Fenway. And obviously, I'm not going to drop a couple thousand on seats right up in front. I, I would sit back, you know, save a little money. But in Fenway, it's really hard to see. I'm like, you know what? I'll sit inside in my warm house on, you know, on January, January 2nd and watch that game. Um, the jerseys, first initial thought, I, I was like, these are awful. And every day I see them, I'm like, yeah, these are okay. I like these. These are these are nice. Um, but that the the Olmark mask is really cool. I thought it was really cool um what they came up with for a design i like that on all of his masks he has something in tribute to his family i know on the back of this this winter classic mask he has little bears for um his daughters so it's just it's just great um to see that and i think i think the color schemes will come together for the winter classic out you know on, in fenway but i'm excited to see you know we'll see, get to see bergeron versus crosby they'll get to see bergeron on national stage like right up in front with nobody else around for one of the one of the few more times at least this season so it'll, it'll be a good game and um you know all that stuff with Fenway and Pittsburgh I, I don't I don't even care about that stuff you know it, it just goes to show that Fenway is uh prehistoric yeah uh, as the goalie guru here on the show um I was I was stoked to see uh Linus Allmark come out for practice at the Warrior Ice Arena with the Andy Moog mask, which is uh, just a, a class, class touch. But also, many forget that his pads are are kind of like a, um, a, a salute to Byron Defoe back in the day. And um, I thought that was pretty cool with the old Itex, the Itex kind of patent. I used to have Itex back in the day. They don't make pads anymore. That's how old I am. <laughs> but um, I just thought it was awesome. Swayman with the old style, like black leather. I guarantee those don't soak up water like my old pads used to. Um, and, and you know, I, that's why I have, my quads are like huge. Like me and Oscar Steen, we, we were like separated at uh, at birth from uh, from the legs down. So, well, the legs <laughs> down, yeah, whatever, from the waist down. Uh, but no, we got a uh, big, uh, you know, it's it's uh it's really cool to just have a game come back to, to Fenway Park, um, regardless of the money factor and who owns it and so on. Um, I just love the outdoor game. I love pond hockey. Uh, I love playing. Um, that's the, that's what I grew up on and so on. And and to and to you know give back to the memory of of, of playing out outside for many of these uh, these unbelievable world class athletes. Is 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 awesome, and, and I'm happy that it's, it's in Boston. Wish I was going to be able to go, but like Zach, I'm not paying a thousand dollars. I'm all set for that. Um, but uh, you know, I'm I'm excited to uh, you know getting closer and closer to the Winter Classic and and you know and the national stage. Um, yeah, I'm pumped and I'm ready for it. And and the jerseys, I will say again, I'm not a meth bear dude. I hate the meth bear. I was going to ask but, are you, meth bear or poo bear guy. I hate poo and I hate oh, meth. All right. But this jersey does something for me because when you put the Boston over the, the 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 meth bear, it still just looks like a shoulder patch to me. It really doesn't bother me much anymore. But if it was all meth, that's a X, X, no, no way. I would not want a jersey with complete meth on it. <laughs> I um oh by the way, I, I agree. I went to the um 
what they had some like a couple of college hockey games at Fenway. And I, I think I sat behind Pesky's pole and he can't see anything. It's, it's a real right. tough, uh, Gillette's a much better venue for that, but John Henry doesn't own Gillette. So I can do that. <laughs> um, but I gotta be honest. I kind of, I kind of like the Pittsburgh one. I mean, it, it, I always, if I wasn't a Red Sox fan, I always just like the Pittsburgh pirates, their colors, their, you know, the, again, black and gold. I don't know. They're just simple. A couple of stripes with a nice big old school P in the middle. Um, I think it'll be an ex- a very aesthetically pleasing uh, uh, matchup between these two. So um, again, New Year's Day. Yeah, I'm going to be like you guys. I'm going to be hungover sitting on my couch uh, <laughs> watching that one. I'm not, I'm not going there. But I will say it's the one game that, you know, when I was debating coming back and announcing for the Bruins again, it was the one game that I'm like, that's the one I want to do. You know, I want to announce a hockey game at Fenway and I'm not going to get that chance to do it. And that's, um, you know, that is what it is, but um, yeah, unless I'm sitting up there and doing the PA booth, uh, you know, wearing nine pairs of pants because it can be freezing and they don't have, again, John Henry's palace isn't built for outdoor stuff. So they don't even have like heating in there. So um, uh, that would have been something to, something to see would have been a highlight, a career highlight, but that's okay. I got, I got kind of more important things to do. So, um, but it's cool. It's cool that we're two weeks out. Um, yeah. Uh, time's time starting to fly a little bit. It always does at this time of the year. Um, so let's see, we got, we got a lot of other stuff to uh, go over here. Uh, but I guess while we're talking about the goalies, uh, Mark, do you want to touch a little bit about uh, Linus Elmark? The article that came out, maybe for some folks who who hadn't heard about or hadn't read about um, some of the struggles that he had, and you know, I remember seeing him in Rochester and thinking, "There's really not much here," you know, um, but but I didn't realize he had a lot of other stuff going on. So maybe you could just fill us in on what his situation is and and what he's been dealing with. Yeah, Emily Benjamin from NHL.com. I've I've met her several times. Um, been in the press box with her a bunch, um, a fantastic writer, a great person, um, wrote this article, um, and, and basically Lenius came out for like the first time and mentioned that uh, he, he struggled a while for a while earlier in his career, particularly in Buffalo while his father was going through a very, um, trying alcoholism kind of, um, episode or, or not an episode, but it was just something that affected him because of his dad's health and, and so on, you know, it, it, alcoholism is a disease and so on. Um, and, and some people can control it and some people just don't have that control. And, and obviously, uh, Linus's father was, um, one of those that just really had a problem and it affected Linus's life and, and what he did, um, moving forward. But, it's good to hear that uh, in the article that he's getting the help that he needs and, and things are starting to get better for him. And obviously you, you could see it on the ice with, uh, with all Mark's game as well. Um, you know, I, I always say that I always like to give a player an opportunity. If you, if you sign for like a year or two, uh, more than one year is to, is an adjustment period here in Boston. And I think last season, when he got in 41 games, I thought he did well in his first season. But what we're seeing now is, is a more comfort, uh, whether it be him himself and his family, but also, um, you know, deeper in the family when, when it comes to like your parents and the ones you really, really, really care for are the ones that um, sometimes you don't perform the best because you have something in the back of your mind that's constantly there. So 
Uh, it's just I'm I'm really happy for that article because it opens up a lot of, you know, things when it comes to humanity. It's not just sports, you know, um, and um, I'm glad that the uh, everybody's getting better. Relenius uh, personally and mentally and obviously his father um, with alcohol. So, um, yeah, that's what I, that's what I got. Yeah. I, and I, um, and real quick, especially being overseas, right? Like if you're living down the road or you're, you know, your dad's in one end of the state, you're in the other end of the state, you can visit, you can be a part of it. You can assess the situation with your own eyes and ears. And, you know, people talk about Krejci going to, going to the Czech Republic. Well, you don't know what's going on with him or his family or his life, or like, you just don't know. So you got to give them the benefit of the doubt. And it's just, it's gotta be so much harder when you're, when you're, family is you know whatever six time zones away and halfway across the globe like you, yep. you know you, you can't actually be a part of it you can't you want to help but you really can't um it's not like he's this was established enough to where he can say i need you know i need a week off to go home you know um so i yeah i i like you said i think i think it i think it 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 can be very relatable for a lot of other people i mean there's a lot of people that are dealing with the same thing and whether it's hockey players coming out about, you know, depression or anxiety or alcoholism in the family or drugs, whatever it is, um, opening up to it, I bet makes, makes the player feel better, but it also um, just creates a little bit more of a relatable feeling to other people and other fans that are going through the same thing, you know? Yeah. Um, Zach, did you have a, did, did you have a chance to read the article? I, I was able to skim through it. Um, I obviously, being on Twitter, I, I get the gist from seeing other people repost it or stuff like that. Um, I'm, I would say the exact same thing you guys are saying. You know, people are always going through things that you don't see. And it's a lot different for sports athletes because they have all these personal issues and they have to go on the ice or on the court or on the field and they have to perform for fans. And it's tough to see people nagging on, you know, players like this or nagging on people. And to think, you know, they, they might be dealing with something at home or, or with their family that that's tough. And so, you know, as you said, I'm glad that his his father is, is getting the help he needs and that and that um, Linus is doing is, is doing better uh, emotionally with it. But um, it, it makes you, you know, take a step back and, and think, OK, you know what? The next time, you know, Bergeron had a bad game or Bergeron's been playing really bad, you know, maybe he's got something or this guy or that guy. It's not anybody in particular, but um, it does make you take a step back and look at more than just the sport and who, how a person is playing or, and maybe how that is impacted by what might be going on at home or in their life. And, you know, shout out to the Bruins because we don't, again, we don't know those conversations, but mm -hmm. if, if he's at the point where he's comfortable enough talking about it um, publicly and he's comfortable enough in his life to where uh, he can compartmentalize it a little bit better, I, the Bruins probably had something to do with that, right? I mean, he, he probably is talking to team psychiatrists or teammates or management, but there there was definitely conversations had there and that were productive. And, um, you know, whoever that that is, whether it's the psychologist or whoever, uh, tip of the hat to the organization for uh, just sort of recognizing it and, and helping him get through it. I mean, they had to have. Um, so um, tip of the hat to Linus Olmark and his family. Hope everything uh, is getting better and continues to get better. And um, hey, his, he's playing it. They're, they're talking about, uh, you know, they're talking about him setting records this year and putting together a year that's not, that's unheard of. And 
Um, there's even a little bit of Vezina talk out there as well. So um, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens the rest of the way here. Um, but moving forward a little bit here, uh, we do want to mention one more time our good friends at BetOnline.ag. Um, they are a big helpful, uh, big helpful sponsors to us here. Um, uh, they're a great organization. They do a lot of good for uh, for us and our brand and our product. And uh, if you want to help support us, you can always go there and use the promo code CLNS50. Uh, part of what that does is let them know that uh, you heard of them through us. So they, Absolutely. oh, you know, Mark, we know Mark too, you know, yeah. um, being a former radio guy, it's when you listen to the radio, they go, use the promo code. So-and-so uh, that's sort of how, how we get to continue to do this every week. So Absolutely. Um, uh, the more uh, support you can give, to bet online ag from us uh the more we can keep doing this for you guys so betonline.ag remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season everything from the nba nhl nfl and bowl season to esports and the world cup you'll always find the latest odds team matchup information player news and game trends all at betonline.ag BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head over to the BetOnline.ag website to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first cash deposit. Make sure you use that promo code CLNS50 to receive your all your fantastic rewards. BetOnline.ag, it's where the game starts. Nice. Love it. And big thanks to our friends at uh, betonline.ag. Uh, as we sort of move along here, I'll ask you guys a pretty simple question. Do you, either of you guys want Jonathan Taves? That's a tough question. Um, I think he's a great player. I think obviously age is something that's affecting him. He's getting older. Um, I'm, off the top of my head, I don't know what that contract looks like. Um, I'm assuming if he were to become a free agent, we were to sign him, it'd be a very low contract. But I think we're in this time where if or at least if I let's just say I was general manager, if I'm going to bet on anybody to you know go another year, I'm going to bet on Krejci and Bergeron. I don't want to bring in somebody who's, you know, kind of after their prime, who, you know, is getting a little older. I'd rather have Bergeron for another year or Krejci for another year. Um, I think it's time to go into our younger players to bring some, some younger guys up from Providence. Um, I just don't think Taves fits in this lineup. And I know you didn't say Kane, but I know people have talked about Kane. I don't, I don't want Kane either. I'm just, I'm good with what we got. I don't think any big moves need to be made. I heard that the, uh, the rumor was squashed a little bit. I think it was from Jimmy Murphy from Boston hockey now. Um, but you know, you, as a general manager, you're not doing your job. If you're not picking up the phone and, and, and at least exploring, there is some good benefit to having a player like that in your lineup. Um, but I really wouldn't want to mess with the chemistry that Charlie Coyle has on that third line. Because if you bring in a guy like Taves, it's going to go Bergeron, Krejci, Taves, and then Coyle on your fourth line. I'm not sure if I'm ready to to, to mess that up quite yet. Um, he's a, He is an elite talent. He can still put the puck in the net and be a threat on, on the man advantage and so on. But, um, I I'm still at a point right now. If it, uh, it if it's not broke, don't fix it. Uh, I think Thomas Nosek is playing very well this season. I'm eating a ton of crow on that one because I wanted him moved, 
after the preseason effort that he put forth. And I was not thrilled about that. And I was really on board with having him out of there and having a guy like Johnny Beecher come up, a young guy, big size, kind of plays that no strict type of game, but doesn't glide as much. But obviously Johnny's uh, got some struggles down in Providence right now. Um, but I, I just, it's not broke. So I'm not ready to fix it yet. And, and, and if you think about the logistics of a move like this, um, I don't want to give up any young talent, whether it be a first round, a second round, third round, when you when this Boston Bruins team needs to replenish this prospect pool. Um, and I don't want to give up for a rental because I, I think that even if Kane came here, much like the, uh, I'm sorry, Taves came here, much like what we talked about recently on Twitter and, and even on this program about uh, Patrick Kane, is I think both of them would be rentals. And I think that's way too much of a price to even pay for a rental. Um, Taves is on a $10.5 million contract. Obviously, that is um, is taken away by the games that's played this uh, this year. But I still think that, that's still, that AAV is still going to be uh, a hindrance on, you know, I don't know how Chicago is going to eat half of that. I don't think they would, to be honest with you. So I don't think if you look at all the logistics and you think about all that, I don't think it, it would ever work out to be honest with you. Yeah. I'm not sure how the money would work, but what if, what if I told you that you could get both of them to sign in the off season for a lot less money and you take Kane and Taves and let's say Krejci doesn't come back. Cause I don't know what for me, future is, you know, for me, honestly, if that was to happen now, you and I'm I'm going to use a word that I don't normally use all the time, but you cock blocking other prospects that are down in Providence. You cock block, you know, the Beechers, the Mercury Lofts, and so on that are playing well down in Providence. You're not giving them an opportunity to secure a roster spot next season, uh, much like what they did with Felino when before he signed. But we saw one year of Felino, and everybody wanted him out. In year two, Felino, we all want him here. You know it. I don't know. I just, I, I don't see how it would work to be honest with you. Um, it just, that's a lot of massaging to the cap, the cap space. Um, and uh, I th- we're up right up, up against it. I haven't looked at cap yeah. friendly yet, but I think it's, it's uh, really close to being right up there at the, uh, at the ceiling. Yeah. I, I don't know how you make it work without losing some, some pieces that are core parts to this. I, I think that right now Taves is the biggest thing that Taves adds to any, team is locker room leadership playing the right way and we just went on and on and on about all those things that bergeron does well so you know i brought up steve eisenman the two closest things to steve eisenman are taves and bergeron so you know i I don't think i I don't think you need a a a facsimile of bergeron you know a, a diet bergeron coming in on your second or third line i love jonathan taves throughout his career uh, but I just, I don't, I'm with you guys. I don't think, I don't think it's worth shuffling the, you know, shuffling all the deck chairs around just to bring in a guy in who isn't even, he's, you know, 70% of what he was a couple of years ago. So, uh, but yeah, both of those rumors have been out there. Uh, Taves and Kane, um, not just linked to the Bruins, but links to teams all across the league. And um, I'm kind of like you, Mark, if it, and, and Zach, if it's not broke, um, don't fix it. Uh, I, I had a thought. Uh, I think this was in the Vegas game. I always kind of have one player that it's not that I forget that they're there. I just, I, I always underappreciate their value. 
And I'm wondering if there's a player on this roster for you guys that kind of fits that. And for me, cause for me, it's, it's Pavel Zaka. I, you know, I was, I liked, I liked Eric Halla, but I think that this was a fantastic trade. Uh, this guy is just working out so well. He, he doesn't, he, I rarely hear him. I, I don't know if I've ever heard him speak, um, but he's just, he's always in the right spot. He seems to fit in exactly what it is they're trying to do. Um, power play penalty kill. He'll play center. He'll play the wing. The guy will kind of do whatever you need. And this is the kind of guy that I wouldn't mind seeing here for the he's a young kid. I'd keep this guy on the roster as long as he wants to be here. Um, is there a guy on the roster that you guys find maybe a little bit underappreciated throughout this season? Uh, I would say right now it's my whipping boy per se would be uh, Craig Smith. Um you know, a great guy and so on, good locker room presence and everything like that. But he's got to do more on the ice, in my opinion. Um, you know, when he does get sat or, or benched, it seems like he has those moments that he really pushes to be hard, but there's no consistency there at all. Um, moving forward, I, I would I would definitely believe that if we're going to really make a serious run, it's either that guy gets uh, picks his game up and and shoots more like we've all known him to be that big high percentage shooter, get pucks on net, create opportunities and so on. Um, If it doesn't work out anytime soon and he doesn't get any better, I really want to see that And I'm not hating on the player at all, to be honest with you. It's just that roster spot should be, you know, given to somebody a little more deserving uh, in my opinion, regardless of NHL uh, history or not. You got to look at a player like Vinny Letary, who's uh, um, the uh, leading goal scorer or point getter down in Providence. Um, maybe he gets an opportunity if Craig Smith doesn't work out, uh, if you want to do it internally. I honestly don't think that uh, Craig Smith would garner another trade and another contract to come on and one that you have to continue to massage that salary cap. Um, I would just like to see Craig moved if, if uh, maybe even a higher draft pick. I know a third round's not going to get it done the way he's playing. I don't even know a fifth round could get it done, but maybe a sixth or seventh just to get that roster spot off and the money down. That uh, I know Craig Smith makes a little more than three million dollars, if not three even. Um, but to me, you just got to do what you got to do, and if you could do it internally, great. Uh, but if not, and you still need to uh, address that right side, you still have time to do that. Yeah, I, I, I another guy they like in the locker room though too. He's a he's another one that they they all really kind of like. Uh, Zach, is there a guy that that you think is either underappreciated or maybe a little overvalued uh, so far on the roster this year? Um, I, I think it's tough. I think most guys have contributed at least in some value or some area this year. One person I've always thought was underappreciated or looked at in the wrong way was Charlie Coyle. When he first came in, or at least, at least a couple of seasons ago, five point, I think it's one, two, five. I think it's his contract, something around there. That was a lot. And a lot of people didn't like that dollar value for how he was playing, but I feel like he always gets it done, scores a goal, makes a great play. He's always working well. And I'm, happy to say that that Charlie Coyle is our third line center, not our second or has to be our first or whatnot. Um, And I think that he's deserving of that dollar value. I also like that he's a Massachusetts guy. I mean, he he's bringing that kind of uh, energy into the locker room and seems to, to definitely work well and, and flow well with his teammates. But I think that 
he's somebody the Bruins should keep around. I think sometimes he's looked at as someone who just kind of falls in the ranks and isn't looked at, but I feel like he's always making a name for himself and, and he's had pretty good seasons for Boston at least. Never really has disappointed me. Um, but I, I have heard other you know, some people saying, Oh, you know, he's too much money right there, you gotta get rid of him. But I think he's definitely worth uh, what the Bruins are giving. Consistency yeah. for me is the biggest thing with Charlie Coyle, mm-hmm. you know, and, and point production. And that's what we're seeing this year is is I'm I'm eating a ton of crow. Yeah, but no, Charlie goal scorer is is something that I wanted to see when he when he got traded here from Minnesota. Um, it wasn't the draft pick, and it wasn't the uh, the loss of Ryan Donato. It was just when he was with Minnesota. I always said that he would go 12, 20 games without a point. Those stretches of inconsistency kind of worried me, and I really wasn't on board with let's see what a new environment could do for a player like this. Because even when Charlie came here, he was still inconsistent. But the puck possession, I started to notice a lot more in his game because the consistency of seeing him all the time. I really didn't watch a lot of freaking Minnesota games uh, before he got here. But this year, it just seems that he is more bought in. Maybe this is the message that Jim Montgomery is sending that everybody has a little bit of a longer leash when it comes to creativity and getting to the net. And um, and I think that a player like Charlie Coyle is a benefiting factor of that. Um, the guy is deadly when you get when the goalie gets backed into the into the post or the or the or the crossbar. Oh, when he when he has space, it's barred down all the time. Yeah, I just love the fact that when he has the puck and when he wants to, you can't take it from him. And he'll just exactly. skate around in circles and he'll take on four or five guys and he'll just you cannot get the puck from him. It's amazing at his size that he can just hang out of the puck, you know, you need a line change and he, he could just give him the puck and four guys can get out of there and he'll just hang onto it in the corner and four fresh guys will come on. And, um, but you're right that, that I need that more consistently. I need him to, he has the ability to be a force. Um, and I think that that's something that, that we haven't seen all that consistently, but he's also lucky that the top three lines are blazing so well right now that it, it's not really, you know, the top priority. So um, interesting, interesting stuff. Um, Before we take a look at the upcoming games, uh, we do have three games coming up this week. I did want to just talk real quick uh, to Zach about, uh, well, about not only about you, but um, you know, what's going on with the main Mariners. I want to know a little bit about, you know, a a newer franchise um, what's going on up there? How are the prospects? How is the arena? How's the fans? Uh, what can you tell us about about what's going on up there in Maine? Um, well, I, the one thing I think uh, I, I like the most about Maine is that it feels really local. It feels like everyone's – it's like a Portland community, I think, is is what it, I would call it. Um, they sold out the, for the first time the opening game this year, which was great. Um, the Cross Insurance Arena isn't really a hockey arena. It's more for like events. So like they'll have concerts there. Or they'll have WWE stuff there. They'll have all and anything you can think of. They have it there. Um, so it doesn't always have like a hockey esque kind of feel to me. But um, it's a it's a great place and definitely uh, a, a hardcore fan base. You know, a lot of people love to go to those games. Um, when it comes to prospects, I think the one thing and I, I, I can say this with confidence is, is that you're not seeing guys that are really Providence worthy in Maine when they are Providence worthy, they're going up. Like when Curtis Hall came down for eight games, 
he he lit he lit it up. I mean, he was he was scoring goals. He was moving the puck better than almost everybody on the ice, whether that was for Maine or the opposing team. And then when when they needed him back, he was just gone like this. So they bring got Providence brings um, up players whenever they need it or whenever they see that potential. So um, you're not always you, there. Isn't really a lot of like someone that I could say, wow, this guy's is rare for the ECHL. He shouldn't be here because usually it's guys that are working on their game. They're younger. They're coming into the league, um, and they're they're all fighting to to move up. They're all fighting to to, I mean, play at higher levels. That's what they all want to do. Um, nobody. It, it, it's tough to say that like out loud that nobody really wants to be there, but. It's not in like a bad way. It's more of like they want to make Providence. They want to make the Bruins or they want to maybe try somewhere else and, and find it there. I mean, players are always moving around so much, but um, they definitely bring it every night. And, and the ECHL is a different environment. It's not a lot of uh, strategic play. It's more of counterattacking and moving the puck fast and getting it up. And um, and there's obviously a ton of players, but guys like Pat Shea, I mean, so fast, so energetic, got so much um, energy inside him, especially when he's playing defense. Same for a guy like Kelty Jerry Leon or Alex Olivier Boyer, who you know was in Providence to start the year. So definitely a lot of good prospects, guys that I've seen that I could say, yeah, well, maybe a time in Providence. But I feel like this year, in uh, specifically Providence, it has an overload of players, lots of players available. So maybe not the best opportunity right now for the Mariners. But I mean, they're they're sitting around five hundred. Right, right where I thought they were going to be, which is which is pretty good. Of course, Patrick yeah, Shea, I, Patrick Shea's from Marshfield. Yes, yeah, so he is. Yeah, yeah. And another uh, Boston, I mean, uh, another Massachusetts native is uh, Cam Askew. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a, a real tough power forward to play for. Um, uh, Long time played. He played for the uh, South Carolina Stingrays for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to BC for a short time, very short time before going to the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Um, but when you talk about the main Mariners and the, and the growth up to Providence and, and the NHL eventually, I and and more particularly is is the Bruins. This is the second full season of an affiliation with the main Mariners. And last year, I want to use Justin Brazau as as a as a as a player that that took advantage of that growth. Last season, Justin put up some really good numbers. Uh, in in Maine and and got the call up to um, up to Providence and uh, and eventually signed a a two year deal. Um, so he's in Providence now. Big kid. Um, he's offensively gifted for the size that he is. I wish he put the puck in the, the net more. Um, but that's just the the type of growth that you're seeing. It's great to have these affiliates around because not only if somebody in Providence is injured, you can call up somebody from Maine, but it's also a place for, yeah, like, like, um, like Zach said, there's a lot of players on the um, Providence Bruins roster that are just not getting the playing time that they deserve. So they go to Maine to get that time. It's not, a de- it is demotion, but it's more or less, we need you skating on a regular. We don't need you just practicing and so on. So it's a great place to go. A multi-level uh, affiliate like that is very beneficial to the Boston Bruins organization, as well as the 32, uh, 31 other NHL clubs out there. So um, Maine's a great place to go. If you're a fan, if you you know, uh, I like going up there. I stay at the holiday Inn, which is right, right down the street from the, from the cross. 
I like going to the the uh, the bars and the restaurants around. My favorite place to go is the Thirsty Pig to go grab a couple uh, IPAs and a and a world class hot dog. You know, it's it's just stuff like that makes Maine very and a very attractive place, and it has been for for minor pro hockey for oh, so many years, so many years. So uh, it's good to have hockey back in Maine. Um, I remember when the AHL was there with the uh, the 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 um, the Portland Pirates and. Then obviously the Mariners that were the uh, Flyers affiliate and the Bruins affiliate back in the day. And now they're the East coast affiliate. So I, I like me some main hockey and they, like you said, they sit in the, uh, in the fourth position in the North division with an 11, 10 and one record, 23 points. Um, you know, this is a lot of good things, but one, one player I really wanted to talk to Zach about was the, um, you know, Jack Sanika got traded to the uh, Vancouver Canucks. Uh, he's playing pretty decent out there, but we got a defensive prospect and we got a goaltending prospect and his name is Michael DiPietro, uh, was on loan out in, um, Abbotsford, uh, most recently, but then, um, the transaction happened, I think a month ago, maybe less than a month ago when he reported to Maine and, and has played there so far. So, um, a lot of people don't know what's going on with Michael DiPietro and where he's sitting in the Bruins depth in goal uh but zach can you tell us a little bit how uh michael's playing and um you know just just some insight on what you're seeing and and uh from being a person around the team yeah uh so looking at his stats i wrote him down he's four and one he's got a 3.21 goals against average and a, a 902 save percentage and that really doesn't that kind of doesn't dirty because his only loss was a nine to six loss um, against, uh, they were playing Newfoundland. And I got to say one of the hardest games I've ever had to tweet doing tweeting 15 goals from the Mariners account. That was crazy. It was just goals left and right. And that was a tough game for him, but that was also his first game and four, four wins for him in a row. He won last night in Adirondack three, two. Um, he's definitely more of an agile goalie. You know, I compare him to the other goalie, Francois Brassard, who's very positional. He, you know, he's, he likes to just, you know, left to right, not really moving around or diving out to make saves. And DiPietro is the exact opposite. He will he will throw his body around to make a save. And he's had some pretty good ones as well. Um, I think it's so tough because he's in now a, a situation where I think the Bruins are really solid. And same with Providence with goalie prospects, Kyle Kaiser, Brandon Busey, Jeremy Swayman. There's not a lot of room for him to progress even that one level up right now with how Keith Kincaid and Busey and all those guys are playing. But he's definitely been successful in Maine. I think he's fitting in well with the team. And he's definitely someone to keep an eye out on. I'm not sure if he'll stay in Maine for a long time or what will happen in Providence with goalie prospects. Like, I know I'm not sure what's going to happen to Kincaid or what might happen to Kaiser. Um, but he's, he's definitely someone to keep an eye on. And I think um, he's done very well so far besides that first game, which was a crazy game. That's great. <clears throat> Good stuff. Yeah, I gotta I'll have to go up there and and uh check out a game. I think we're going up to Maine maybe in, in the fall in the uh uh in the winter, February ish. So maybe I'll have to go up there and, and check out a game. Bissell um, Brothers. Bissell Brothers, you gotta go to Bissell Brothers. Bissell Bro- all right, I'll write that down. Bissell Brothers. <laughs> um uh, before I forget, Mark, do we have a call on the hotline? We do. Uh we have one this week. We have one this week, and uh hopefully we get some more. Um, Zach, hint, hint. 
<laughs> just kidding, my friend. Uh, but it is 978-504-2727 if you want to get involved. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We are worldwide. I don't care. My, it, my phone does not ring. So if you want to call me at 4 o'clock in the morning, that's fine. So um, let's get Gail's call up and her question, which is a very interesting one. And we kind of touched on it on the pre-show. But uh, here's Gail. Thank you, Gail, by the way. I truly appreciate you. And uh, Gail is covering the um, Bruins alumni game as a media member at Warrior Ice Arena. This is for the Matt Light Foundation. So she's going to be there interviewing players and getting uh, some article stuff out. So shout out to Gail for taking the ball and running on that one. But uh, here's her question. Hey, Mark and Steve, it's Gail, uh, B&G writer. Uh, the reason why I'm calling is to ask your thoughts on the NHL's thoughts on possibly extending the schedule to 84 games from 82 to 84 to generate more um, division play. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think they should extend it, or do you think that they should eliminate some of the um, Western Conference play? Look forward to your answers. Have a great day, guys. Bye. Interesting question. This was uh, basically coming out of the uh, Board of Governors meetings, and um, I, as much as I want more divisional play, because if you look at it, we're only playing, we, we don't play Montreal that much at all this season. Very unfortunate for a, a, a historic rivalry like this to be, to have been cut short by by games. But um, I'm all for division play and so on. Um, I don't know if I want to go higher in into into the season. Players are already complaining about the preseason being way too long. Like it should only be a couple games, not six to eight game schedule and so on. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I really want to get back into playing more division and, and and especially teams like Montreal. And I get the whole fan thing. If you're a season ticket holder in the 32 cities around the NHL, you want to see a player like Patrice Bergeron come to your town. You want to see Crosby and McDavid and so on because it's just that's what draws tickets. It's not only that you're rooting for your team, but you also want to see these high-class athletes perform on your sheet of ice. Um, but I would honestly like take away a little bit of the Western games, uh, um, maybe not travel so much out West and so on and kind of keep it all to the East and, and, and facilitate a, a schedule that can have more games against Toronto, more games against Montreal, more divisional play, like, like Gail suggested. So, you know, that's pretty much my long winded answer about that. What do you got, Zach? Um, I agree. I think the answer is not extending the season, but changing um, how many games you're playing against Eastern divisional rivals compared to Western um, rivals or, or, or other teams. 84 games or 86 or 90 or however many they're going to add to it, um, it just increases this burnout. Players getting injured, players being tired, having to go from 82 games to an entire playoff series and trying to put all that energy into that. So I think it would be great to have more games against Montreal, more games against, you know, original six teams, Detroit, Toronto, stuff like that, even Chicago. But um, I don't think that adding games helps anybody except for Benton. It, it gives him more money in his pocket. And I, you know, it's just 
that's who Bettman is. I, I don't I don't hate him as a commissioner, but I mean it is what it is. So I think 82 is perfect. I think it's a great um, amount, and I think it, it would be nice, as you said, to see the Canadians come to town or to see Boston go up to to Montreal or see more games against the Maple Leafs. Like my dad's a Rangers fan. I like that you know the Rangers play Boston at least three times a year. Like that's something I enjoy. So um, you know, I, West Coast teams are always tough. So I think 82 is the right number. Hey Zach, real real quick, you can tell us why he's a Rangers fan. It, it's it's a little it's a long story, I guess. I mean, his he's a lot of family in New York, and so when he was okay. growing up, the Mets were on the TV, the Rangers were on the TV. Um, a funny story: my his cousin um, who lives in New York used to be a Russian translator for the Russian players um, back for the Rangers in the eighties and the nineties. So she used to like translate all that stuff and she got to drink out of the Stanley Cup which is pretty cool when they won yeah but that's um, awesome yeah so so he's he loves the Rangers um and I mean he's he's delved into into that team a lot so the the toughest days in my household is when the Bruins play the Rangers because there's a lot of (laughs) uh, competition going on that was a great story thanks man I I always get I always get interested in what what why fans now is your is your father uh, originally from Maine too? Yes. So yeah, he was born in Maine. Um, some of his his family uh, is from the New York area around. I, I can't remember what town, but uh, I remember going up there a few times when I was younger or a few down there, down there I should say, to see yeah. them. Um, but yeah, he was born in Maine and uh, he loves going to Bruins games too. Like we go together even when they're not playing the Rangers. Um, but yeah, down down deep is uh, New York is in his blood. Yeah. That's awesome. Love hearing stuff like that. Um, real quick on the on the schedule thing, I, I'm kind of with you guys. I would I would alternate divisions. So, I mean, one year the East, uh, one year the Atlantic plays the Central, the next year the Atlantic plays the Pacific. You know, no, no and then because that opens up 16 more games where you can have against original six teams, you can have it against Canadians, um, Maple Leafs, Senators. Um, the other thing they could do is what the NFL does, where if you finish third in the Atlantic, then you play the you're scheduled to play the team that finishes third in the Pacific and the third in the central. And if you finish last, then you play the last place team in the third in the central. It also helps the balance um, schedule balancing too. So you're not just having the first place team wipe out the eighth place team, but um, I don't think it's more games. And then, you know, you ask for more games and then you go to the playoffs where you're playing triple overtimes. Um, I think it's too much to ask, but I would, I would alternate every year. And that way, if you want to come see McDavid, you know, that, not this season, but the next season they're going to play Edmonton or, you know, the, you know, so you can, you can have that schedule balance, but um, you know, I want, I want Montreal six, seven times. And I would, I would also do them. I would also do the home and homes. I love home and homes, the home yeah. and home on a Saturday or Sunday against Toronto, a home, a home against, uh, against Montreal. Um, I mean, that's, that's where you really build the rivalry. That's where things can get intense, can get yeah. a little nasty. So um that would absolutely be my solution there but that was a great question uh from gail we appreciate it we appreciate all the work that she does uh here content wise and uh again anyone else wants to get involved and call in um we're more than happy to have you we're happy to answer your questions and um you know we want to get a a sort of a feel from everybody out there as to what they're thinking about too so um mark anything else you have you want to uh bring up or discuss before we just take a quick look at what we have coming up uh next week um we're looking for writers we're looking for writers to cover the nhl the ahl the east coast hockey league 
Um, they don't say East Coast Hockey League anymore. I got to remember ECHL. Um, but if you live in Portland, Providence, or Boston, and you want to go cover a, a a team, and you you have some writing skills and or podcasting skills, or you want to start a podcast on our network, uh, it's a Bruins related show um, with your uh, individual friends and family. It doesn't matter if you have a passion for the Boston Bruins, and you can create uh, good quality content. You have a home here at BNG. Uh, please get in touch with me at Black and Gold Productions. LLC at gmail.com. Send me a cover later on a resume and we'll get you on. We we just we we've just brought on like six new people. Uh four of them I think are are reaching out from Emerson College down in Boston, which is um it, it's a great school for a journalist to go to and so on. And we got Ben Albier and um and um somebody else that I, I can't remember her name right now. She's new, so uh, yeah, if you want to join this uh, this BNG freight train, let me know. Certainly get you on board. That's awesome. Love it. Love it. Uh, and I appreciate yeah, I'm That means I'm not the new guy anymore. So that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm already right. not the new guy. Um, but yeah, looking ahead, we do have uh, three games coming up this week between now and Christmas. Uh, Monday, uh, they will take on the Florida Panthers, a team that obviously last year uh, just was through the roof uh, points wise. Uh, it seemed like they were a, a freight train that couldn't lose. And then of course they get in the playoffs and they, um, they sort of wet the bed. Um, but it's only probably a matter of time till they start playing better hockey. I think they're too talented to not. So, um, you know, you want to kind of put the, keep the foot on their neck uh, when that comes on Monday, uh, Thursday night, I think it'll be so interesting. Uh, we've been talking about these West coast teams. The West coast teams have been given uh, the Bruins some trouble. Um, and Thursday night they play Winnipeg, um, Winnipeg's 29 and one, they are central, uh, second in the central. They're playing really good. They got a, a really nice mix of, of older veterans and young kids. Like I can't wait to see Cole Perfetti play. I just think he was a, a, a really cool prospect. So, um, I always love Mike, Mark Shifley's game. So, um, and, and Logan Stanley, the, the, the little Zidane Chara, it's whatever he is, six, seven, <laughs> uh, 260 or whatever he is um uh he's always fun to watch too so that winnipeg game on thursday will be a good one and friday um this is something that sort of drives me nuts because this is now three times where the bruins have had a back-to-back with travel and if you look back at their first loss of the season they played a home game at home then they went up to ottawa and lost like yep. the next night i don't understand this is now three times where they've had to go back-to-back games with travel i i just i don't like that um I think the league needs to do something about that. And again, it's not like they're going to New Brunswick, but you know, they do, they got to go from, from home against Winnipeg to Friday night at New Jersey. So enjoy that. Enjoy that holiday traffic while you're sitting, trying to get through New York city. I God, I hope they fly. Uh, and they do it later on in the month. I, they, got, I, they got Ottawa, they got Ottawa and then they play New Jersey again on Tuesday and Wednesday. That's even more yeah. travel because they got to go at Ottawa to at New Jersey. I, I don't know why this is a thing. <laughs> I don't like that at all. I've, I've, I've infuriates me, but um, especially the way Ottawa, the way New Jersey's playing, like that should be a, a marquee matchup. Give me two well-rested teams ready to go at each other. Top Absolutely. of the, you know, conference standings on the line. Um, I haven't checked New Jersey. I don't know if they play, uh, they play the night before either, but um, um, those are going to be great games. Yeah. Two games against New Jersey in a week. So yes. um That'll be that'll be fun to watch. I still think New Jersey's a little fraudulent. They got tons of talent, but I just don't think they can 
I think if the Bruins or New Jersey can keep this pace up, I would take the Bruins over the Devils. But, um, but there you go, Florida, Winnipeg, and New Jersey the rest of the week. So, and then, and then it's Christmas. So, yeah, yeah, we got we got to talk about what we're going to be doing for next week's show because um, Christmas we normally uh, record on Sundays, which is today, but that is Christmas Day. Um, and I don't know what everybody has for uh, what Steve you have for plans, but um, there's an opportunity for a Friday podcast if available. If not, I can do it solo. I could do one of those live streams and make it into a podcast, you know, make it yeah, a no, Christmas we'll, special. We'll figure some out. I mean, I don't see we should be able to do Friday, uh, especially again. This is another storm. Another this is last week. Our storm was a dud. I was I was really hoping I wouldn't have school as a teacher. We did anyway. Then they tell me we're getting three three feet of snow this coming Friday. I look at the forecast, it's all rain. I just yeah. want one snow. Can I just get one snow day on a Friday during the holiday season? That's all I'm asking. Um, I, I had one on Friday. I you had did? A snow day. yeah. So damn it. Originally it was like it's like, oh, it's gonna be, you know, one to two inches, and then you know, might be a little rain, and then we had like get dumped on. Almost a foot, and the, the power was out all day, so it wasn't really a snow day when you get the power out. But yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, Maine is uh, Maine, Maine got a lot of snow the last couple of days. Um, yeah, so we'll we'll talk about that. We'll 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 give the people uh, something something for sure because uh, you know we want to keep this thing going, and um, we appreciate all the feedback we're getting from from all the viewers and all the listeners, and um, we're just happy to be here, happy to be doing it, happy to be be pushing out content that people are enjoying and um you know anything else we can do in the meantime we're gonna just keep the train rolling so um zach yeah. it, was a, it was a real pleasure having you today thanks so much for for joining us and a lot of good stuff a lot of good insight um good luck to you up there in maine next time i'm going through town i'm gonna bother you uh, <laughs> keep your eye out for that no bother at all i like having company up there usually there's not it's just me and the the office officials up there you know in the booth next to the broadcast so anybody that ever you know has media credentials and wants to come up there and talk to me that's that's more than fine hell yeah yeah at least at least they give you a nice seat where you can see the whole scoreboard i get i get to sit behind the orange box (laughs) yeah that that box doesn't make sense to me i don't i no i think not at all they use it for spotlights for some yeah. games, but like it's just in the worst spot, right? Yeah. Hey, before we end up leaving, uh, the, the listeners and viewers on YouTube, I do want to talk about our Patreon account. Um, we um, we give it away a hand signed jersey every month, and if you want to be uh, eligible for this, you donate one dollar to patreon.com slash black and go hockey podcast. Details are right down below. You can see for the uh, YouTube viewers, but um, whenever we do a podcast uh, this coming week before Christmas, we're going to be giving away this hand signed Derek Sanderson jersey, fully authenticated. Wow. This is from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, the amazing Bruce Sullivan. Uh, really cool stuff that we uh, we give away every month, and it's just a dollar. So um, what happens here is you donate one dollar. Half of it pays the bills here at the Black and Gold Productions Sports Media Company, and the other half goes into buying amazing jerseys like this, fully stitched and so on. Unbelievable quality, all for a buck, folks. So we would certainly appreciate all that uh, financial support. We have almost 60 Patreons right now, which is amazing, and we want to keep growing it more to do these every month. So 
feel free to uh, to support that way financially. And also uh, shout out to everybody that's, you know, retweets, listens, the downloads, uh, the interaction. It's amazing. Zach, I want to thank you for finally coming on the program. We've been talking about this for quite some time, uh, but uh, nailing a time down has always been a little rough. But I was so stoked that uh, you were able to come on today, not only to talk about the Boston Bruins and how everything's going with these topics that we picked on the agenda, but also give us a little insight of what goes on up in Maine and the uh, ECHL with the Maine Mariners. I thought that that was very cool that, you know, you added a little bit of, um, you know, the personal experience about the team and so on. And, uh, and uh, really appreciate you coming on the program today. It's been uh, it's been a blast and I hope, hopefully we can do this again soon. Yeah, definitely. I thank you guys for having me on. And as you said, it's, it's been a long time coming. I know we, we talked about this a couple of times and, you know, sometimes I, I was busy or you were busy or whatnot. So um, I, I had a, a blast talking to you guys and uh, yeah, we'll have to do it again sometime. Awesome. All right, my man, that is episode 309, Steve. Second Great. one. Are you, are you coming back next week? Yeah, I'll be back. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. Hell yeah, I'll be <laughs> I'm, back. Just, I'm just messing with you. Absolutely. <laughs> I like being in the basement for an hour and a half on a Sunday. It gives me you know, <laughs> off off daddy duty for a little bit. It feels good. So there you go. And I haven't heard any screaming upstairs yet either. So it must be in good shape. So. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All, All right, right my man. All right. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, again, we will talk next week. Uh, if we do not uh, have an opportunity to talk to anybody out there on YouTube or um, in the audio platforms, uh, please subscribe, by the way, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify. We'd certainly appreciate that. And uh, please give us a rating. A rating, a five-star rating would be amazing and a review. <clears throat> and um, we also just want to say that we, we hope that everybody out there does have a happy and safe holiday. Obviously, I, I always do this for holidays, but it should be known every day, all 365. If you're going out and drinking please find other transportation do not drive it's not worth losing your license or killing somebody else on the road um please find alternative driving methods lift uber walk a cab whatever um just just please take care of yourself and others uh this holiday season yeah, don't be a news story that's what i say don't end up yeah being exactly exactly yeah so with that being said that is episode 309 Thank you very much, Zach. Thank you very much, Steve. You guys are amazing people. We'll definitely be talking on the tweet machine, I'm sure. But um, until next week, I am Mark Oliver, that's Steve Fiorni, and Mr. Zach Taranko below. Take care. We'll talk soon. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at blackandgoldpod at BNG Productions, at Black and Gold 277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. 
Peace out. <laughs>